0: Good morning, and welcome to New Life, and welcome to those of you that are joining us online. Uh, if you're here, I'm going to invite you to stand with us, and we're going to just open with a song just praising God and acknowledging Him.
1: Oh. He's on. A- He's on. A- we are free from sin forevermore. Oh, how sweet the sound, oh, how grace abounds, we will praise the Lord our Rescuer. There is good news for the captive, good news for the shamed, there is good news for
0: you guys take a seat
2: good morning everyone good morning how's everybody doing today good that's good doesn't that sound just make you want a two-step it is it so good I love it um all right so welcome to our Sunday Sunday service June 20th Sunday service and a special welcome to our fathers um, out here today, thank you for some. For the, thank you so much for all that you do, and also thank you for choosing to spend a time, a portion of your Father's Day with New Life. And as a token of our appreciation, please don't forget to grab a root beer on your way out. Um, they're going to be handing it out as you guys exit after the service, and then. If you are here for the first time, I would just like to say welcome to you guys as well. Um, If you could fill out a connection card, it's just um, fill it out, hand it over to the welcome desk, and then we have a gift waiting for you there. So don't forget to do that if you're here for the first time. And then the next announcement is for everybody here at New Life. Just to let us know that you've attended this service. So there are two ways to do this. First is if you go to our website under the I'm Here tab. Um, So our website is newlifecommunity.ca. Go to the I'm Here tab, fill out the form, and then you'll be good to go. The other way to do this is through the cards. So if you go to the offering table right at the corner there, um, you'll be able to fill it out through there as well. Just leave it in the tray, and then we'll collect it as you exit. And then next one is our giving. So if you are looking for ways to give, we have made it so that you can do it anytime, anywhere. First is if you go to back to our websites under the Give tab, you're able to set up one-time or recurring donations. And you can do that as well by downloading the Church Center app. Next one is e-transfer. So you can um, send your e-transfers to giving at newlifecommunity.ca. And then obviously, you can go the classic route, which is to just do cash or check. And then next one is our life starts. So if you're new to New Life Church, this is something we highly encourage you to attend. So this is where we get to know you, and then you get to know us as a New Life Church. So our next New Life, um, so, sorry, next life start will be on July 11th. Um, that's on a Sunday at 6:30 p.m. here at the church. So if you would like to sign up, you can go over to the welcome desk, or again, you can go back to the website under the ministry tab. And the next one is Camp in the City. So we've announced this two weeks ago. But just a reminder, if this is something you're interested in, go ahead and sign up. But if you don't know what this is, New Life has partnered up with Manitou Lake Bible Camp to bring camp here to Lloyd Minster. So this is for... Four days. It's going to happen for four days for kids 7 to 11 years old. And then this is going to happen on July 26th to the 29th here at New Life Church. So if you are interested, um, definitely go sign up on their website. That's manitoulakebiblecamp.ca. There's still 59 spots available. So go ahead, invite your friends. That will be a great time. And then the last one is everyone likes good news. So if you are still wanting to volunteer for our summer series, there are sign-up sheets available at the Welcome Desk. And just one last reminder, if you are one of those people who would love to donate um, either money or supplies, thank you in advance. Um, also let us know what you're willing to donate. Um, but other than that, I'm going to pass it on to Pastor Elijah for his pastoral moment.
3: Good morning, church. Happy Father's Day. I do have words of scripture here in Matthew 5. Jesus told us, you are the salt of the earth. How many of y'all love putting salt in your food? Any uh, any chefs here? <laughs> salt is of great value. And that is true for their time. It's true for all of times and It's interesting that salt actually brings out flavor. It brings out sweetness in like milkshake and all the types of food at just the right amount. Too much salt is salty. It's bitter. (laughs) It's too much. The right amount brings up the flavor. It brings up the sweetness. And it's so interesting to me that Jesus told us in Matthew 5, you're the salt of the earth. The Apostle Paul told us in Colossians 4, verse 6, Let your speech be always gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you should answer each person. That's very interesting to me because as Christians, we are uh, beacons of truth. We bring truth to people, but at the same time, we say it graciously. We love people and, and, uh, and tell them the truth and live the truth the way God wants us to, and just thinking about that uh, this week, I think uh, even at youth, we we brought out invitations to our summer events. There's like 300 plus invitations. We went door to door, gave people smiles, and invited them to our events, and we had good responses. People people are looking for something this season, um, especially as things open up, and so we are waiting for those people to come, I told the youth that we're ready to engage in conversations, not just hang out with your friends, but get out of your circles and invite somebody, engage in conversations, and let's just, let's just share the good news with them, a conversation seasoned with salt, and so we're ready to do that, and we're inviting people to volunteer uh, for our Wednesday outdoor events, it's going to happen soon. Um, At the welcome desk there, we welcome you to just fill out volunteer positions. But let that just be an encouragement today of who we are in Christ and and just come together as salt of the earth. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity that we have, our identity in you, secure, our salvation in you, complete in Jesus Christ. And so we worship you today. We bless your name today. We bless you, Heavenly Father. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for bringing us together. Thank you for the fathers that are here who are leading their families spiritually. And Lord, I just pray, Lord, that you would make us the salt of the earth. That we would be people who would create, create spiritual thirst in people's lives so that they may know the good news of Jesus. May that be true for this week as you send us out in the weeks to come. We bless your name. We worship you. May you bless the rest of our service, the sermon, and the singing that we are about to do. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: I'm going to invite you again just to stand with us. We want to just continue to uh, praise God, to take our eyes, take our hearts, and just to focus on him this morning and as Pastor Elijah said, we are, uh, as a staff, we are really looking forward to these Wednesday nights. Um, I'm excited that they're going to be mask-free. Sounds like restrictions are lifting, and um, we have much to be thankful and to praise God for. Uh, I was just thinking the Israelites wandered for 40 years. We've been, what, COVID for a year and a, a half, and I am just so done with it, and I am looking forward to to just feeling like we can get back to whatever our normal our normal is. So let's celebrate and let's praise God for who he is today.
1: and kingdoms will bow down and every chain will break as broken hearts declare his praise for who can stop the lord almighty our god is the lion the lion of judah he's roaring with power and fighting Battles and every knee will bow before him. Our God is the Lamb, the Lamb that was slain for the sin of the world. His blood.
0: who can be against us. Our God holds everything in his hand. do they seen.
4: Father's Day, everyone here, and those of you online that are watching, thank you. It's a real blessing, although, um, you know, Sunday is a hard day in our family home (laughs) to actually celebrate it like this, but I had a great meal with my family on Friday night and uh, had a special time with my younger two on Tuesday, and so I have celebrated Father's Day early. Father's Day is bittersweet for many of us. For me, I, I just, you know, even just singing that last song, I was just thinking about my father. In uh, 2003, he went to be with Jesus. So he's up there right now enjoying his Father's Day with his Father in heaven. But it's just a reminder of just, the, you know, and some of you are, can, can relate to me. You understand what I'm talking about. If you've lost your father and, and your father was meaningful to you and, and, and supportive and, and invested in you, like it's, a, it's, like a, it's, it's a hard day, Father's Day, because you're like, whew, maybe there's some dads here too that have lost children. And you understand the, just the ache of, of losing a child. And, and there's, there's that ache in your heart on Father's Day <laughs> for that child that should be with you today. I, I get that. Some of you, maybe watching even, didn't have a dad. Your dad was a wall. Maybe he was in the family but not real present. Maybe he wasn't in the family. Maybe your parents were separated or whatever the case may be. And, and, and so Father's Day is like, I can't relate to Father's Day because he, he was never there. And so... My hope is that you have found your heavenly father to be sufficient to meet all of your needs. And he is. He does love you and care for you. So that's Father's Day. I mean, many different perspectives. Some men that want to be dads that, that aren't unable to be dads. Um, that sometimes could be a reality. Um, and so it brings up a number of emotions and issues. The other thing I think about today is a father in Calgary who's in the Remand Center, a pastor, Pastor Tim Stevens, uh, of eight children, and he, today, is not able to do what I'm able to do. And, and I, I feel for him, the Hebrew book of Hebrews says, remember those who are in prison as though you were with them. And so we want to first remember men like that, that is thrown into jail just for holding a service. And, and uh, if you're in Alberta, I hope you have called your MLA and talked to them and said, look, what are you doing? You know, I hope that you've made that known and, and there are ways to do that. But we've got we to remember, there's a family, a mom with eight kids today that is unable to celebrate Father's Day because he's not there, but I pray that Pastor Tim has opportunities to share Christ in the prison, that God will be glorified greatly through this situation. And so, as we come to God's Word, would you pray with me as we think about Father's Day together? Father in heaven, we thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior. We thank you for your Holy Spirit who dwells in our hearts. We thank you that you are a loving, caring, gracious God. We thank you that you created the family and that you've established fathers in homes to provide security and protection and guidance for their wives and for their children. I pray, Lord, in this church that you would raise up men to become spiritual leaders in their homes and in this church. Lord, that you would do that work in men, that you would give them the thirst and the desire to be more, to to experience more of you and to to lead in in a godly and Christ-centered way. For those who have lost fathers, Lord, would you comfort? For those who didn't have dad, would you be their father today, Lord? Would you wrap your arms around them and show them your love? And we thank you that we have this picture of Christ in the gospels that remind us of your love for us. Show us your care for us. And so guide us into the truth now as we come to your word together. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Walking on the water. Most of us dads don't walk on water, but we wish we could. I mean, that would be nice because there's situations where you're like, man, I just wish I could solve and fix every problem. But as we finish the series called Soul Revolution today, and we meant we now we are gonna enter into graduation next week and then our summer series, which is the good news, we're ending the chapter six of Gospel of Mark. Mark's introducing us to who Jesus is. At the beginning, he clearly says he is the son of God, and then he shows what Jesus can do. And he, Jesus does all these amazing things a turning point occurs in, in the middle of this section where suddenly now Jesus goes from showing his disciples to now saying, okay, you guys do it. He sends them out, they come back, and they're like, yeah, look at all we did, Yeah, yeah, yeah!" And then there's this big crowd, and Jesus is like, they're like, they're hungry, Jesus, send them away. Jesus is like, you feed them. And they're like, how could we feed them? That's impossible, blah, blah, blah. He's like, hey, what have you got? I've got five loaves and two fish. They brought what they had to Jesus, and then Jesus used that and gave it back to them, and they fed the multitude, 5,000 men plus women and children. Anywhere from 8 to 20,000 are the estimates. Who knows? I mean, a vast multitude is fed, five loaves, two fish. Jesus blesses it, passes it to the disciples. They go and feed the multitude. In the Gospel of John, he tells us that the people were beginning to think, hey, this is the Messiah. Let's coronate him right now let's crown him let's acclaim him let's bring him you know let's let's march down to jerusalem and establish the national you know kingdom of israel you know and and jesus is like i gotta stop this because this is not why i came this is not the right time so he you know kind of pours the water on the flame and and sets it down this is not right and so what we find at the beginning of mark chapter 6 verse 45 is that jesus is sending his disciples away says in verse 45, immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead to the other side to Bethsaida while he dispersed the crowd. Okay, guys, get in the boat. What what do you mean, Jesus? We just fed 5,000 people. We've got 12 baskets full of fish and and, and loaves. Just a reminder of what Jesus can do in and through our lives. And now you're like, get get in the boat and go. What about you, Jesus? Don't worry about me. Go. Jesus sends them. They're on a direct mission from Jesus. They are responding in obedience to Jesus. They get in the boat and they head out. Jesus goes and deals with the crowd. Okay, guys, everybody, no, no, no. This is not happening today. It's not happening right now. My disciples are leaving. You're leaving. I'm leaving. And it says, uh, verse 46, after saying goodbye to them, he went up the mountain to pray. Crowd is gone. Disciples are gone, and Jesus up on the mountain praying. And this is the setting for what's about to happen. Uh, He knows where his disciples are going. He has sent them in that direction. And while they're, they're going, he is up there praying. He's connecting with his Father in heaven. He is establishing and maintaining and building this relationship even though they're separated geographically and and, and Jesus, you know, as, as man, fully man, fully God is this mysterious union of these two natures continues to model for us this need to pray and to seek intimacy and connection with God. He's praying. He's not interested in the popularity of the crowd. He's not interested in just, you know, raising his status. He's just, he's about fulfilling the mission of God. And so he gets the disciples out of the way, he gets the crowd out of the way, and he gets out of the way and discovers his father. And he's praying. And he's praying. It says in verse 47, When evening came, the boat was in the middle of the sea, and he was alive. On the land, he saw them straining at the oars because the wind was against them. They're out in the water, rowing away. I got a picture of it here. There they are, fighting, fighting the wind, pushing. It's the second storm that they're in. This one is not as perilous as the first. But it's difficult. The word strain, it's almost used to describe torture or affliction. They are being, you know, just battered as they're working against the wind. Straining, straining. Now maybe, you know, not a lot of us ride in boats like that, but maybe you've been in a canoe and you've had to canoe against the wind. I don't know if you've ever had that experience, but it's It's hard. If you're, if you're a soloing, if you're sitting in the back, you know, the front end will kind of move around, so you gotta, you know, turn around and, and just kind of fight. My friend was taking a group of teens on a canoe trip in the Milk River, southern Alberta. You know, the place where there's no trees, you know? And that Milky River, I mean, it just blows like crazy there all the time. And, and he said that one point, one day, they're, they're actually going with the current. He said, the current was not strong enough to carry them against the wind. So they had to, like, fight, you know, against the wind all day the kids were complaining they wanted to quit they wanted to give up and he's like this is life you guys sometimes it's tough and here they are fighting against the wind jesus is not in the boat with them they're all alone but they're doing what jesus told them to do i don't know if you remember the last time we talked about a storm but like i said then i'll say it again there are storms that we get ourselves into. When you make poor decisions and you don't follow God's way and you ignore his word and you do whatever you feel like, you will get yourself into difficult situations sometimes. And it's one that you paddled into. This is not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is people that are obeying God's will. They're doing exactly what he told them to do and they find themselves in a difficult adverse situation. They're fighting the wind, fighting the wind, fighting the wind. And at points in your life, all of you can relate to this. You're like, no matter how hard I try, it just seems like I'm not getting anywhere there's other points in life where you're like, man, I'm just, I'm just jumping and I'm leaping and I'm moving ahead. I'm so, it's a 100-yard you know, sprint, yay. But there's other times you're like, it feels like I'm on a marathon, but it's like a treadmill. I'm actually not moving. I'm just uh, sitting in the same spot, moving, uh, lots of action, no, no, no progression. You're wondering what is going on. But here they are right in the middle of will. They're not making any progress, but they're doing what Jesus told them. There are times when life feels like you're not getting anywhere. For us pastors, that was COVID. The church is beginning to get momentum. We feel like people are getting connected, and you know the youth is growing. Pastor Frank has got all these people coming in and us home. People are getting connected, and all of a sudden it's like, stop! No more! Can't get together in homes. You can't do anything. Can't you know? We're like, come on, Lord! We're just starting to see things, you know, and it's so frustrating. They're doing what Jesus told them to do. There they are, struggling. And then in the middle of verse 48, the next verse it says, As night was ending, he came to them. So understand this. He's. He sent them, he saw them, he left them there. He saw them, but he didn't immediately go and help them. He left them paddle, he let them row, he let them you know, just endure the wind for a long time and finally in the middle of you know, 3 a.m., he shows up. He came to them, walking on the sea, for he wanted to pass by them. This is a very interesting verse because if you just read it at a glance, it just seems very callous. You know, it's like if my daughter got a flat tire on Range Road 3280, where I live, and I was driving by and I saw her there, hey Zoe, and I honked the horn and waved at her and just kept driving. Isn't that nice? Hey, yeah, what a nice dad that is. You know, like, you know, like that's curseworthy, right? Like, really? Like, you know, this is what it seems like. It's like, so Jesus want to walk by. Hey guys, how's it going? Having fun? <laughs> but you see, there, there's embedded in this text this, this Old Testament idea. Jesus wants to pass them by. What's happening, Marcus? He is showing us how Jesus is God. In the Old Testament, God takes his people out of Egypt, and into Israel, he takes them via the the desert, and in the desert, he feeds them. He, He provides manna for them, and so Jesus, as he feeds the multitudes in the wilderness in the previous section, he's showing us, I am God. I can look after you. He's like, I'm going to pass by you. As the Israelites are coming out of Egypt and moving into towards the promised land, God stops him at Mount Sinai and he gives him the law, the Ten Commandments. Maybe you've seen the, the elongated, you know, Charlton Heston edition of this, but it's, it's a great story. But, but as Moses up on the mountain, this crazy thing happens. He comes down. God's like, "Well, man, your, your people down there are, are really going crazy. Moses comes down and there they are. It's like this drunken orgy. Horrific. There's a golden calf there. And Moses takes the ten and was like, God just gave him and breaks him. And they grind it up and, you know, and they repent and God's like, okay, you know, let's, let's get this right. And, and God's like, I will lead you. And, Mo, and Moses is like, if your presence doesn't go with us, I don't want to go anywhere. Moses is like, I need you, God, to, to really carry us where you need us to go. But Moses in that moment is feeling so weak and vulnerable. He says, would you just show me your glory? God is this invisible, all-powerful, you know, master of the Lord. I mean, no one has a visible picture of God because there is no visible picture of the Old Testament God. I mean, he is so powerful and majestic. He's the creator. He speaks things into being. I mean, he splits the Red Sea wide open. He sends all these plagues on Egypt. I mean, he is fantastic and incredible and beyond comprehension. And Moses is like, could you just show me your glory? Could you just bring it a little bit closer for me, God? God's like, okay, shut up your nose in the crack there, and I'm gonna pass you by. I'm gonna reveal myself to you, Moses, in this moment. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you just a little snapshot. And he and he shared, you know, the Lord, compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, you know, and it's it's this, it's this what we call in theological terms, a theophany, God revealing himself. And so when Mark says he was going to pass by them, it doesn't mean he was gonna drive and honk as they sat with the flat tire. What it meant was God's like, let me show who I am to you. And Jesus is saying, here's God with you right here, showing you his glory. We sometimes forget that Jesus is God. That God says, yeah, you want to see me? I'm going to send my son, and he will show you what I'm like. John says, we beheld his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. I mean, you want to see God look at Jesus? He's shown his disciples his power, his ability, but now he's like, do you understand who I am? Because that will make all the difference. When God passes by, it's a sign of his caring presence, says the word biblical commentary. Passing by is a divine act of reassuring self-disclosure that meets God's people at their point of greatest desperation, says Karabula. God is meeting us when we need him most. He's passing by. Interesting, he doesn't pass them by in the good time. You notice that it's not like it's a sunny day, you know, blue sky, picnic blanket, you know, full meal, and then God says, "Oh, here, let's let me show you my glory right now." Yeah, here we go. In the pressure cooker of life, the adversity of an overwhelming obstacle of the wind and the storm, God shows. I hope as we come out of COVID, you didn't miss him. I hope that you didn't miss God speaking to you in COVID. Like, I, I, think, I think he's speaking to the church and say, you know, like, you need each other. You need me. I am your all in all. And together, we can grow together no matter what adversity and difficulty we face. And I think we get so caught up in our own lives that, that, you know, we miss the, the, the activity of God around us. He's like, I'm here. I'm watching. I'm with you. Grow and learn from me in this circumstance that you've been through. I am all you need. But look how they respond. Verse 49. When they saw him walking on the water, they thought he was a ghost. (laughs) And they cried out, for they all saw him and were terrified. It's a ghost! A phantom really is the the literal word. It's a phantom! It's a it's an apparition in the night. I mean, can you imagine? You've been rowing all night. Some of you people that drive in the night, you know what this is like. You know, after you've been driving for a long time, maybe you guys are out in the field, you understand this. If you've been, you know, the harvest is 2, 3 a.m. And and the shadows start to play tricks with you, right? (laughs) Well, is that a deer? Is that a coyote? What is that? You know, and, and, you know, things can, can, can trick you. And on the water, it's even more scary because there's just darkness and fog and the depth of the water. And there was a certain bit of mythology that came with being on the water. The Jews were not naturally water-bearing people, although these guys were fishermen. But, but they are freaked out. Somehow their minds were not thinking about God at that moment. They were just thinking about rowing, the wind, their circumstances. And when someone shows up, I mean, you see something on the water, it is scary. What is that? What's going on? I can remember being out at a camp and uh, it was daylight, but we were on the water canoeing and and there was a guy swimming, but he was wearing like a black like a uh, wetsuit and a black thing. So you just see this black thing, black arms kind of flailing, and the kids just started freaking out, like, what is that, you know? And of course, I made some great stories up about the crazy man of Gardam Lake that, you know, you know, haunted kids' cabins that stayed up after dark, and there was supposed to be lights out, you know, and it's like, you know, the wild man's got to come get you, if you, you know? And so anyway, but it was just the guy swimming. But you know, it's just funny how your mind plays tricks with you, right? It's a phantom, and they're absolutely terrified. They're rattled. The the word literally means to be shaken. They're shaken. God is showing his glory to them, and they're freaking out because of what they see. They're they're not expecting God in that moment. They're just expecting who knows what, and they're like, oh, no, it's a phantom. ah!" But now, because they're living in the fear, and this is what fear does. Fear freaks out. Fear makes things, what they're not actually are, you know, you turn, turn, you know, Jesus into a phantom, right? And this is what happens when we live in fear. Things become bigger and, and, and scarier than they actually are. And when our feet are just on the ground, and we're looking down, and we're observing our circumstances, and we forgot that there's a God in heaven, a Father who loves us and looking out for us, that's where we live, freaking out, phantoms all around us. And God says, I want to take you above that. I'm inviting, I mean, the opportunity to say, oh, Jesus, there you are. Praise the Lord. You're with us. Let's get going. You know, but, but they don't see it. They're freaking out. Oh, no, it's a ghost. It's a ghost. But you got ghosts in your life, phantoms that show up. Doggy, because of your circumstances, because fear just kind of captures your heart, and Jesus is inviting us to get past that, to find Him in your circumstances. I got a picture of it here. Um, now, this is an artist's rendition. Now, was was Jesus glowing in the dark? I don't think so. But they want to capture this. I mean, I think if he was glowing, they probably would have realized it was Jesus. I think him in a dark, shadowy existence would it be better because it's like, what is it? But, but here he kind of paints Jesus as this glow bug that's walking on the water, right? Matthew includes another piece to the story, but Mark doesn't include that piece because Mark just wants us to focus on Jesus and not think about Peter getting out of the boat, but that's part of Matthew's story. Mark doesn't include that, but here here it is. Jesus on the water, disciples in the boat, freaking out, terrified, shaken, rattled, startled. The word is used of Herod in Matthew chapter two, just freaked out because of this king of the Jews that's been born somewhere in the region. It's used of Zechariah, who has this you know, vision in the, in the Holy of Holies as he's offering incense in Luke chapter 1. It's used of the disciples, Jesus saying to his disciples in Luke 24, don't be afraid when he appears to them after his resurrection. Fear has a way of turning shadows into specters. Apprehension becomes apparition. And here they are, freaking out, wondering what's going on. But look what Jesus says to them. But immediately, he spoke to them. Have courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. It's a simple speech. It uses good format. I mean, he doesn't go on and on and on. Oh, you guys, what are you doing? Blah, blah, blah. He just, three simple words. He doesn't rebuke them. He could, but he just says, have courage. Have courage the confidence of purpose in the face of danger or testing. Have confidence, courage. It is I. And literally, you could translate that, I am. I am is what God introduced himself to Moses as. He says, have courage. I am. Don't be afraid. And as you and I navigate life, and the storms, and the wind, and the difficulties that we face, God appears to us and says, look, be, be strong. I am. Don't be afraid. He speaks to each of us and says, look, look, you don't, you, you can be, be strong and confident, because I am, and you don't have to live in fear. You can choose faith over Fear. Fear. It says there that, um, verse 51, then he went up with them into the boat and the wind ceased. They were completely astonished. Gobsmacked. Literally, it's like they were astounded and marveled. Uh, To cause to be in a state in which things seem to make little or no sense and to be extraordinarily impressed or disturbed by something. I mean, they're just, they're they're just like, what just happened here? He gets in the boat, it's calm. It says in verse 52, though, because they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. And it's just this really sharp dagger kind of comes into the end of the story. Jesus has been demonstrating something very clear to them. He is God. He is with them. And if he's God and if he's with them, it doesn't matter if he's physically in the boat, he's with them. And that that, that if he sends them and, and he sees them and he shows them, that they could just be confident in him, but they don't get it. God will repeat the tests in your life until you get it. He'll keep bringing the same thing around until you get it. Sometimes people jump church to church because they're just not learning the lesson God's like, I'm gonna keep teaching that lesson until you get it. A new church is not gonna solve it. It's it's your heart issue that you need to deal with, not them, that, you know, the Bible they're using, the pastor, blah, blah, blah. It's you God wants to work on, your heart. And it starts with you connecting with I am discovering him. The almighty creator, all-powerful, self-existent God who shows himself in Jesus Christ is here with you. He, uh, Matthew would, would say, you know, Jesus says, look, you know, go make disciples, do that, all that, and remember, remember, I am with you always. Now, does that mean Jesus is, is sitting in the boat with them all the time? No, no, it just means he's with them always. Why? Because he's God. He's not constrained to physical locations. He's ever-present. God is is with you, even when you don't feel like he's there. And then through the mist and the fog and the wind, you see that apparition, you're like, "Oh!" he's like, look, I'm here, I'm watching you, I see you. I sent you there, I saw you there, I'm showing up here, like, don't be surprised, just keep moving on with me. For Mark's readers in Rome... As Nero is capturing and imprisoning and killing Christians, they're wondering, why are we doing this? Where is God in all this? He's like, guys, I'm with you. Don't don't forget it. Don't let your heart become hardened. He knows your employment situation. He knows about your health condition. He knows the struggle you have with anxiety or depression. He knows. He knows your, your sense of purposelessness or, or your lack of direction or goals. He understands that. He knows the fog you're in right now. Maybe you feel like, God, I'm, I'm keep rowing and I'm not going anywhere. He knows it. He's like, just learn from me. Come to me. Draw close to me. And those circumstances will feel like nothing. Trust me in the situation. The chapter ends with Jesus arriving in the area of Gethsemane, it says in verse 53. After they had crossed over, they came to the land of Gethsemane and anchored there. And as they got out of the boat, people immediately recognized Jesus. The disciples don't recognize him in the water, but the people recognize him. And they ran through the whole region and began to bring the sick on mats to wherever he was rumored to be. And wherever he would go into villages, towns, or countryside, they would place the sick in the marketplaces and would ask him if they could just touch the edge of his cloak and all who touched it were healed. They recognized him, but what was Jesus to them? Just a wonder worker, a healer, a fixer of physical illness. That's all Jesus is to them. And Jesus wants to be more than that to us. He wants to be your companion, your friend. The one who guides you and leads you. The one who fills your soul with satisfaction. That's what he wants to be. He wants to replace those desires in your heart that draw you away from God and replace it with desire for him and connection with him where, where something doesn't matter what car you drive, where you live, what your vacation plans are. Those are all great, but, but he is your all in all. He, he wants to get you past that. Whatever, whatever you know, picture of like success you have in your head, Jesus is like, success is knowing me being with me, trusting in me, faith in me. I want to remove every idol from your life so that I become your all in all. And in our country, we found out that we worship health. That health is is the ideal. And the people that manage health know all things. And we come to the Bible and we find that that's not true. No, God knows all things. Jesus knows all things. And we find ourselves in conflict with this. And Jesus invites us to trust him and to be wise and discerning and figure out how to navigate the mess that our world is. And it's huge. And it's ugly. And that's why we gather on Sunday mornings to remind us that, yeah, we live in a messed up world that's twisted and distorted, but God... He has a plan, and he will use us in that plan. Let's trust him. And so my hope is that you'll walk by faith. Move forward in confident obedience. Jesus sends you, he sees you, and he shows himself to you, even in the hardest times of your life. And he sometimes has those difficult times to kind of weed out and to filter out some of the distractions in our life so we can just focus on him. And he will use every adverse situation in your life for his glory. So trust him. Cling to him. Hold on to him. Would you pray with me as we close? And then we're gonna have a little video after this, but let's, let's just bow in prayer. Lord Jesus, you are the king of creation. You alone are the only one who can walk on water because you're God. And we worship you this morning. And may we find you in whatever situation we presently are in. Some in this place and on watching online are, are in physical difficulties and health situations. Some are in relational breakup. Some are looking for jobs and, and are unemployed. Some are estranged from their children. Others are struggling with depression, anxiety, self-worth. Some don't know what they should do with their future. Lord, in all these situations, you want to meet us and guide us and be there with us. And so be present, oh Lord. Anyone that's here or that's watching online that doesn't know you, Lord, may they come to discover Christ as their Savior today confessing their sin and acknowledging that they need you and receiving you as their Savior and as their Lord. And Lord, as a church, we need your presence as we move through this city in this season of life and history. We need you, Lord. We don't want to go anywhere unless you're guiding us. So for our summer plans... (laughs) May you be with us. May you show us the steps we should take. May you show us the people we should invite to church. May you just be with us as we celebrate and worship in our own ways on Sunday mornings. Lord, guide us, we pray. And be glorified in all of our circumstances and all of our situations, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Just have a little video we're gonna watch for dads as we prepare to end the service. Here you go, our little tribute to the fathers.
5: Ever notice in the moment your balloon came back? Or why you like to work with your hands? Or why your friends always came and played at your house? Ever wonder how vacations are made? monsters never came back or why you and the princess always had the same name. Ever appreciate how happy your dad could be when he walked into the house. How goofiness can ease the tension. for the non-stop battle he fights between supporting his family and supporting his family. Because this Father's Day, if you really look around, you just might. You might appreciate where some of your passions came from. might wonder on the dreams of those before notice that being the bad guy is sometimes a very hard job. You may even discover the ultimate pride in his eyes when you've learned for yourself.
4: thank you, Lord, for the dads in this room and in this church. We pray your blessing upon them today. Fill them with your presence and your joy. May they be fully equipped to do the job you have called them to do. And may we all find the strength and support from you, our heavenly Father. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Dads, we have a Pop for you on the back. We were trying to find dad's root beer, but no one carried enough dad's root beer to supply us. So we have some other pop back there, but grab one on your way out. Just to, our way of saying thanks, God bless you, uh, have some sugar, enjoy your day. <laughs> All right, so, God bless you. <laughs>